When we talk about the history of the southwestern United States, we're mostly thinking about the people's history. But everybody comes from somewhere looking for land, food, and a place to call home. I'm Katie Stone, and here at the Children's Hour, we wanted to learn more about the history of the place we call home. You know, I think for, for me, one of the most exciting things about this story is the ancestors of the people that left these prints are still here. It really is like visiting your oldest grandparents' house and getting to go say hello. It lets us know as Indigenous people that, yeah, our timeline is a lot later or than it, everybody presumed it was. In this series, we're diving into how the high desert region of the southwestern United States came to be what it is today, and who's shaped that history along the way. This is A Brief History of the American Southwest for Kids. Our story begins at White Sands National Park. And if you haven't been there, it's sort of like stepping into another world. People have been migrating across these white dunes for at least 23,000 years. How do we know they were there? On a virtual field trip to White Sands National Park, our guests told us all about it. You know, there's prints from around the world that are much older than White Sands. But what's so unique about White Sands is our prints are very long. And then there's, there's just thousands and thousands of these prints. So there's uh, much longer than most other trackways, over two miles in some places. That's David Bustos. He works at White Sands National Park, studying fossilized footprints of both people and animals. You know, White Sands, it's the world's largest ships in dune field. But before the dunes were here, there was a giant lake called Lake Otero. And so this lake was about 20 miles long and some places about 20 miles wide. And everywhere throughout this lake, it looks like animals, the giant animals, and many people walked all through this area for thousands of years. They, they walked along with one another. Before there were any sand dunes there, the land was made of both wetlands and grasslands. Things could get very muddy around there. And sometimes when walking along, People and animals left footprints in the mud. Over time, these prints fossilized, some into stone. Most are so soft they can be cut with a butter knife. Long covered by the glistening sands, erosion from wind, rain, and weather eventually revealed the footprints. In about 1931, there was a government trapper. He was walking across the basin, and he came across these incredible tracks. And he thought, what are these prints? And we looked closer. He thought, wow, these must be a Bigfoot. I don't know what else would leave prints like this. And the reason he thought they were a Bigfoot is because they're 22 inches across and about 8 inches wide. And, you know, for years, people sort of gave him a hard time. What do you mean you found a Bigfoot? In um, 2017, we were able to confirm that, indeed, he did find a Bigfoot. But... It was a big foot of a giant ground sloth. And then when we went further on, we actually found human footprints inside the sloth print. So that's sort of where our story begins. It's a fun way to sort of start um, the discovery of, of fossil footprints in the Tillerosa Basin. 
These footprints give us a scientific timeline of when people started coming to New Mexico. So at White Sands, we have two main type of prints, those that are raised and then some that are depressed. So what happens sort of when you walk in the snow, you know, you compress the snow and as you walk by, everything else melts away, but you see the prints where you walk by. And that's sort of what you have here. As the animals or people walk, they compress the soil and that's what they leave behind. And then you can see some of these examples of these really incredible trackways. But what's important is every place you have one type, you'll have a, a person or people prints of made of stone and you'll have megafauna prints made of stone or you might have people prints made of clay and you'll have megafauna prints made of clay so every place along this area you have similar type prints of people and the megafauna that lived thousands of years ago this is one of my favorite stories at, at white sand so in this area you can see a giant ground sloth walked by here and it looks like it was a deep puddle and as you walk through maybe you made the puddle bigger but then what's really fun is we have children prints that were jumping all around, all different sizes. And you can see the, the giant ground sloth and his claws as he's walking by. You can see where it looks like a, a mother, a medium-sized foot was carrying a child. So they put the child down here and they're walking with the child. And along the way, they're slipping. So you can see these toes really slipping in the mud in some places. And I think that's one of the, the funnest things about White Sands is you know, many of the things that we do today, people were doing at that time. So you see people taking care of their children or you see kids running and jumping and playing or places where people are hunting or many of the same things we do today. The oldest footprints, which were discovered in 2021, are formed more than 23,000 years ago. But that discovery doesn't tell us much about who made them. Indigenous communities have been sharing the story of humans in the Tularosa Basin with their children for thousands of years. Archaeologist Mary Wiaki has heard them her entire life. She's a member of the Santa Clara Pueblo and the Comanche Nation. Today, she works at the Center for New Mexico Archaeology. They settled down for a short period of time in these locations. So as hunter-gatherers, the first thing you're going to do is find food staples. And where better else to find them than along water tributaries? So they have temporary housing structures. So you have these little dug-in basins that they'll sleep in. They're not very big. They're like maybe four by six foot. And they're dug down with uh, probably reeds over the top or some kind of tree limb. And they're temporary. So they would go back to the earth as soon as they, they would start migrating. And that's why you're seeing so many footprints means migration time periods, which was about the same time that they were coming through White Sands. I thought it was cute that everybody was slipping. Of course, you expect them to slip. And they were barefooted. So as you're going through the marsh and these liquid areas, you take your shoes off, right? Because they definitely had shoes. They had yucca sandals. And they were using uh, cordage to hold them on their feet, but they didn't want to ruin them. So why not squish around in the mud? I would. I would have loved to feel the clay and the sediment between my feet. And if it was a cool day, why not? You know, it's exciting to know that children, wherever there's water, you're gonna you're gonna go play. Mary says there are stories about the animals that roamed the land too. So they would tell these stories of this creature. 
and how uh, how they would uh, how it could devastate men that were hunting it with spears. The Comanches used to call them mupits. Mupits means this creature that had a long nose, and it had these huge uh, teeth that they the old ones would say curled up like a tusk, and that it was so big that so many people could fit inside the footprint. To us as children, we would ask, are they elephants? And he would say, no, they would have hair all over. He said, even in their ears, the grandpa would say them that they would have hair inside their ears. So the first word we learned as a child was about this story of these mupits. There were stories of giant alligators that if a man went down to gather water at a stream, we were always told to be careful because they would come up and they were large enough for to fit you inside of their teeth. We know that all those years ago, people were migrating throughout the area and using what was around them to survive. I'll give you a few moments to pause and guess what tools people might have needed back then. Or weapons for hunting? That's right. Mary is an expert in recreating historic inventions used by indigenous people. Here's what she had to say. You're looking at stone tool manufacturing, and you need water to soak the hide. You need water and steam to create the handles for your tools. And there's plenty of stones out there, basalt, volcanic location sites. So they're actually still moving, so they're making textiles and they're creating uh, reed backpacks and tumps out of uh, yucca and other fibrous material on those location sites. Even now, indigenous people living around White Sands are helping scientists learn more about life at White Sands all those years ago. My name is Diego Medina. I'm a member of the Piromanso Tiwa tribe of Las Cruces, and so I'm very, very grateful to be living just a 45-minute drive from where these prints are down in my hometown of Las Cruces. And I'm really grateful for David, um, especially because I've gotten to go out and visit the footprint site a couple of times, and it's incredible. It's, it really is like visiting your oldest grandparents' house and getting to go say hello. Diego serves as the tribal preservation officer for the Puro Manso Tiwa tribe, whose ancestral region included the land that today we call White Sands. In our tribe, we have these really cool storytelling times. You know, usually during wintertime, we'll get to have storytelling by our elders. And it's a time where we get to sit around and hear these stories that have been passed down generationally, you know, back as far as we can remember. And some of these stories tell of things that prior to these footprints may not have made sense to other people. But now that we're starting to see this discovery come forward, it really is lining up with what we've been told about how long we've been in this continent. And like Mary was saying, speak to some of our migrational histories and speak to some of the different places we've moved around. And so uh, for me, working at this footprint site, 
has been um, both a learning experience and a confirming experience. And it's one that's really, really powerful, especially being out at those footprints site, because you know that for 20,000 plus years, at least, you know, we've had a place in this land and we've had relatives like these other mammoths and these sloths that were friends to our oldest grandparents in this land. And so it's cool to see that, you know, we still have similar ways of, you know, conducting ourselves in our daily lives here in this location. And for me living um, in Las Cruces, it's really funny because only a few months ago, someone asked me um, how long my family's been in the Las Cruces area. And it was a, it was a question that paused me for a second because I was like, huh, it's a really good question. How long has my family been in this area? So let's remind ourselves, what have we learned about the people who made those footprints at White Sands? Let's check in with Isaac and Lily May from the Kids Crew. Hi, it's Isaac. And Lily May. Now, let's play True or False. True or False. People have been migrating across White Sands for 15,000 years. False. People have been migrating across White Sands for over 23,000 years. True or false? Before White Sands was a dune field, it was a lake. True. Lake Otero used to cover the area of White Sands. It was 20 miles long and 20 miles wide in places. True or false? The initial footprints discovered in White Sands in 1931 were human footprints. False. They were actually 22 inch long and 8 inch wide sloth prints, but inside of some of them were human footprints. Next, true or false? Children from thousands of years ago played in the mud just like children today. True, there are tracks showing that kids 20,000 years ago used to take off their shoes and slip and slide in the mud just for fun, like we do today. True or false, the human prints at White Sands are from tribes that built extensive stationary homes there. False. The people moving across the sand dunes thousands of years ago were hunter-gatherers who were migrating across the dunes finding the resources they needed to live. Next up, true or false? There were many animals that roamed the land along with the humans. One of these animals was the elephant. False. Although they looked somewhat like elephants, they were actually hairy mammoths. True or false, the hunter-gatherers roaming white sands made their own tools from resources found there. True, they used animal hides, yuccas, and more to make tools and clothing. True or false, stories about life in white sands thousands of years ago have been passed down through indigenous storytelling.
indigenous groups have deep-rooted traditions of storytelling by the elders, which has helped pass down information about the ways of life at White Sands for dozens of generations. Back to Diego Medina. We can, you know, trace our ancestry back through the Mogollon people and back further, and especially with some of our, you know, Puebloan sites that are 10, 15 minutes from where these footprint sites are. And it's incredible to see how long our ancestors through time have a relationship with White Sands. And it's also on one of our more recent, you know, migrational routes. By more recent, I mean only a few hundred years ago with the salt trading route. And, you know, we've been trading salt for hundreds and thousands of years with other tribes and communities. And White Sands and the Tularosa Basin is right along that old trail connecting both Mexico and Mesoamerica to the plains. And so our Puebloan people were having trade relationships with, you know, tribes down in Mexico and, you know, tribes like the Comanche and Kiowa and other plains tribes up north. And so many different tribal communities, I'm sure, travel down to White Sands for social gatherings, commerce, getting to visit family and other things like that. And so there's so much validity to how these stories of oral tradition, because especially when it comes to song or story, it holds its form really well, kind of like a footprint. Because when you have a song like Mary Had a Little Lamb, you know, it's a song if you hear, you know, a couple times as a kid, you'll remember it your whole life. And so when you're able to put your entire history into a song that you use for ceremony, it'll hold its form through generations. And so when our songs have information about, you know, our history or our migrations or our relationship to the seasons, these are songs that time ago by our ancestors that because they're in sing-song form, we're able to, you know, remember them and keep them intact. And so that our next generations will have the same songs that tell the same stories about our relationships to these places. And that is where our story begins, with thousands of years of human life lived by the first people to come to the desert southwest. They had their own traditions, skills, and culture, which has been shared for generations through stories, songs, and language. I'm Katie Stone, and you're listening to the Children's Hour, a brief history of the American Southwest for kids. This was episode one in a six-part series. Find a learn-along guide to accompany this episode, which meets national education standards at childrenshour.org slash history. This program is made possible in part with the support from the New Mexico Humanities Council and the National Endowment for the Humanities. Any views, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this program do not necessarily represent those of the National Endowment for the Humanities or the New Mexico Humanities Council. If you'd like to hear the full stories from our virtual field trips, you can find videos of all of our conversations at childrenshour.org history. The Children's Hour is produced by the Children's Hour Incorporated, a New Mexico nonprofit. A Brief History of the American Southwest for Kids was written and produced by me, Katie Stone, and by Christina Stella. We had help from Julia Wolf, Isaac Lacerda, and Lily Mae Williams-Hobbs. Our series theme music is performed by Marlon Magdalena, with additional music for this episode by Poddington Bear. Special thanks to our amazing guests, Piero Manso Tiwa Tribal Preservation Officer Diego Medina, 
Mary Wiaki, archaeologist with the Center for New Mexico Archaeology, and David Bustos, resource program manager at White Sands National Park. We had additional support from our history review team, whose members are listed at our website. If you like what you just heard and want to support our work, head to childrenshour.org and visit us anytime on social media at TCH Radio. Thanks for listening to the Children's Hour, Kids Public Radio.